welcome to series two of Have Another Cuppa. I am so excited to be back. This week, we are chatting to Katrin Arwell. She is a photographer and actress based in London, but she's originally from Cardiff. And in this episode, you'll hear us chat about all her amazing projects, looking back at her family and time in Wales, and what it's like living in London. Hope you all enjoy. Yeah. With quick fire questions. Let's do it. Let's give it a go. So, do you prefer tea or coffee? Coffee. Football or rugby? Rugby. Would you rather be a cat or a dog? Oh, dog. What's your favourite colour? Green. Where would you like to travel most in the world? South America. Chocolate or crisps? Oh, crisps. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) If you could have any power, what would it be? Like superpower. Oh, to fly. To fly, nice. Yeah. Concert or show? Concert. And what's your favourite season? Spring. Hey, nice. Well done. I love those. <laughs> so, thank you for sitting down, Catherine. Pleasure. Really excited. Yeah. So, <laughs> tell our audience a little bit about you. We're in your lovely house in London at the minute, recording this. Yes. Um, how long have you been here now? I've been in London um, probably about. 13, 14 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mm. lived in Cardiff until I was about 25. Mm. And then I decided I wanted to have a bit of a change and come to London. And I just wanted to live in London. Mm. I think in my head I thought, just come to London for a year or two. Yeah. Nobody stays for a year or two, though. But that was the plan initially. Yeah. Come to London, check it out, live here for a bit, see what it's like. My mm. cousins lived here and I had some friends mm. and... They were like, why didn't you come up? Because I'd come up and visit quite a lot. And then one day I left my mate, Craig, and I was on the way to Paddington and he called just to check that I got mm. the right tube and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, he called and I was like, I'm gutted that I'm leaving. And he was like, why, do, why, why didn't you stay? Yeah. And I literally just said, yeah, I don't know. Why don't I? And I went home and I just figured it all out. Rented out my house in Cardiff, and I think I came back within about three weeks. Wow! To live, so yeah. no job or anything at the minute, or were you sort of no, like... no job? Um, he found me somewhere. My friend found me somewhere to live. Mm. Um, I was working. I was in between acting jobs at the time, mm. and I was working in a bar in Cardiff, City Canteen. Ah, oh, I don't know. It's in Square. And, um, yeah, I was working there part-time, and um, Craig said, I'll find you somewhere to live. He was in We Will Rock You, the show at the time. Ah, uh, yeah. And he said, I've got a few girls, a few girlfriends in that who are looking for a housemate. Mm. I said, are they nice? He was like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they've got a nice room, and he sent me a picture of the house, and I said, sounds good. So I took it on without mm. seeing it. Um, and he said, it's really near me, so I can help you move in and everything. And, yeah, came up in a few weeks after that yeah. and never went back. Wow. I know. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, so you were, at the time, you were acting most of it. That was your main sort of job. How did you move on to photography? How did you start all that? Um, I guess, well, Dad's a photographer. Ah, okay. But that's that's always my first answer when people ask how I got into it. But I didn't get into it with Dad, really. I was just a reluctant assistant with him. (laughs) Like, on weekends, I'd go with him on weddings and to help. But it was mainly because, you know, 
it was either that or they'd have to find me a babysitter as mm. a teenager. So I'd just go with dad out on weddings. So I probably, you know, I saw a lot of mm. photography and I'd help out in dad's studio and stuff. But I started properly. Um, I was already in London and I got a part in a, a TV series back home mm. called um, The Priest, mm. The Cockle Farmer. And I decided... I wanted to do something mm. with the money, not just, you know, because you just go from job, you know, you, you you have a nice TV job, you know what it's like, and then you don't do anything for a few months, and then, but I decided I want to do something with, with this one um, in between, mm. rather than just hang out in Cardiff. So I went to Chapter, mm. and they do some really cool, uh, or they used to anyway, I'm sure they still do, they, do, they did some really cool photography courses. So I signed up to like a weekend black and white film photography course oh wow yeah so very different to what your dad used to do so um or... well he he shot on film for most of his career ah, cool. so i grew up you know developing stuff with him in mm. the dark room and all of that so i'd seen it mm. but never really took much of it in as mm. much as he would probably try to tell to me yeah. it's never <laughs> you know but it was obviously it's obviously been sort of ingrained in me mm. Um, so I learned that properly then on this course. And just it was just like a hobby. I just wanted to do yeah. something um, that was good for me. So I did that. And then when I came back uh, from shooting that, I think we were shooting for about a year, came back to London and then went on to do another course and another course. Mm. I just enjoyed learning, I think. Mm. I think it was as much of that as anything else. I enjoyed learning something new because I never went to uni when everyone else did. Mm. Or drama school or whatever because I was quite young getting into TV and I you know through choice I guess you know just sort of um, missed the whole university bit or mm-hmm. drama school and I think I craved it you know mm-hmm. so by the time I got to 26 27 I really wanted to learn and just be in that sort of student environment so yeah just came back to London and just kept learning more and more about photography and buying different cameras different film cameras and just having fun with it mm-hmm. Um, and then because of my acting circle of friends, they would then start asking me, oh, do you fancy, you know, doing some headshots? And then I'd, I, I just got into doing headshots for actors yeah. then and actor friends and stuff. Um, so that from was, there. I'm from there, yeah, so, so that's how you sort of turned it from a hobby into starting of a business then, yeah. I suppose. So how many years ago was that? Um, I reckon probably about... 13 years mm. ago. It was when I moved to London, basically. Yeah, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I was probably about 25, 6, mm. 7, 8. Yeah, probably 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> That's plum. <laughs> um, and, and then work just starts, you know, work comes from work. But for mm. a good few years, it was mainly headshots I yeah. did. Um, and also back then, I think there was more of a thing. It was before the whole um, social media world, or certainly... As we know it today, mm. it didn't exist like that back then, um, and it was more of a, oh, I don't know, a bit, there was a bit of stigma, I suppose. You were supposed to specialise in something as a photographer, mm. it also it felt like, um, and that's what I wanted to specialise in was headshots. It felt like the natural sort of path, mm. uh, but now you know it's changed mm. so much. Social media has changed the way that my work is seen um it's and it's opened up a whole new world mm. uh so yeah I, I you know 
now I'm 14 years old and I shoot all sorts of things, but mm. I just feel like I apply the same style maybe mm. to whatever I shoot, to be in that headshot or a wedding or... Um, and it's kind of okay not to specialise. You know, you rarely get a photographer that just does one thing anymore because um, I think social media has opened up a whole a whole other world for mm. us and you can be more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. And what... Social media is a massive thing because... And I suppose the, the phones are getting such better cameras and stuff like that. What sort of effect do you think that's had... On photography, mm-hmm. I think it's really positive mm-hmm. because everybody's a photographer now, and um, it can it can um, open up creativity within us. Without you know, before you'd have to maybe save up and get a camera or do a course or something to to figure out to unleash any mm-hmm. photography. Um, creativity you had inside but now you're it's instant isn't it we're all we can all find out what we enjoy doing you can tell how good somebody is sometimes when they're using their camera interestingly there was a friend of mine she's just got into photography but she started on her phone Mm. and she just loved what she could capture on her phone um and whenever we'd meet up, she'd ask me some tips and, you know, she was saying, I'm really keen to get into the next step of buying a camera. What should I get? And I just told her, maybe go and hire or borrow one and all this. And then the next time I saw her, she'd been practising on a camera, but she really struggled. And she said, I don't feel like I can get what I get on the phone. Mm. You know, because you're so used to capturing something and it looks a certain way on the phone. Um, she actually preferred the style of stuff she was getting on her phone rather than you know Mm. a thousand pound camera or whatever which is quite funny yeah I think it's I think it's a positive thing everybody can everybody can have a go and it's great for kids to have a try out of what they can do and you can edit and there's all sorts of amazing apps on there then you can you know go and do Mm. a course or go and further develop that so you don't have to spend loads mm. to find out if it's for you or not yeah don't spend all the money and then go actually, actually I'm not like good or not like it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's great I think mm. it's great for youngsters for sure when they can just yeah, yeah. try stuff out for themselves because mm. I think since I've known you in the last three years your stuff has changed quite a lot if I'm remembering rightly about three years ago it was majority of headshots that were on your page and stuff like mm. that but I was looking today and how you've got headshots weddings uh style shoots and mm. magazine sort of shoots sort of thing so are you leaning more towards doing stuff like that or is it just like you said work comes from work and just see what happens sort of thing yeah I think again <laughs> with the whole social media world what's happened is if if you're a if you're a if you own a brand or a product or a company or whatever it is you do, being that an actor or a, a hairdresser, we all have a platform now to show ourselves off, don't we? And it's free on Instagram or or whatever. Or if you're blogging about what you do, or which is great, um, but it's opened up this whole world of brand photography, and people want pers- a personal brand shoot. People want to see who's behind the product and stuff. So I've somehow got into that I've been working a lot I've been working abroad quite a lot over the last sort of decade and then the last two years I decided I didn't want to do that so much I wanted to tap into a more of a community thing and, mm. and work locally 
uh, and started working with a few local businesses here. Um, and I do a lot of personal brand shoots for people, so photographing people at work. So I've got a few clients. I've got a client who's a candle maker. Oh, cool. Um, so and for her, I've done headshots. I've photographed her, you know, at home mm-hmm. with her, um, photographing her at her studio. All this content that's useful for her to put on social mm-hmm. media to further develop her work. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that one thing. So that you know, I have one client, but I actually do a lot of stuff for for them. But most of it is to do with branding, and I guess it does all tie back into same as headshots, isn't it? That's yeah. the personal brand mm. shoot for an actor, I suppose. You're just mm. doing headshots for them, um, so people can see what you look like. Yeah. So yeah, the personal branding stuff is quite a, a big part of what I do. Weddings. Um, I love shooting weddings. Do that's, you? I really do. <laughs> that's changed so much. You know the way in, in how I, in which I work. It's very documentary style. Mm. So there's obviously a um, pressure there because you have to get the photos back in one piece. You know, get your cards back in one piece and get them uploaded. But on the day, I shoot in such a natural way that it's not like really stressful. I don't do thousands of group shots like people used to years oh, ago. I know. You know and. Um, I really enjoy it mm. and, the, and then the kind of client I attract through my work then is the kind of client that I want to have Yeah. Um, and it takes a while to get there mm. to carve out the kind of clients you want because initially you just need clients mm. don't you but I think the more I'm trying to just be more truthful and honest to myself now and just shoot the kind of stuff I want to shoot mm. and then my work's better yeah, because you're enjoying it more, aren't you? Enjoying it more. Yeah. And, and it's so important. Um, it's hard sometimes if you have to turn something down, but I think it's really important to stay true to your style and to be honest with clients about what you do. Yeah, but the, mm. the kind of weddings I get, lots of really cool sort of city weddings yeah. in town halls. You know, there's some amazing town halls in London, Chelsea Town Hall mm. and Marylebone Town Hall, and I get some really cool clients there. I love it. I love all of it. I love the sort of variation of it, I suppose. What's the most difficult shoot you've had to do, would you say? Or maybe not difficult, most challenging, we should say, you know, because it's been different or... The most challenging shoot, I mean... For a photographer, a lot of it comes down to light. Ah, okay. So if you've chosen to use natural light, mm. then you're dependent on what happens. About <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. I'll have to have a think about yeah. that. Like I said, at the moment, I'm fortunate. I've, yeah. you know, I shoot stuff that I want to shoot. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. I was remembering back to when we did up my headshots about a year ago. And it was just chasing the sun around the park. <laughs> yes. Oh <laughs> From my one God. spot to no, another. Exactly. Going, oh, no, it's moved. There's a cloud. Hang on. And then yeah. running around. Yeah. But that was, it was quite fun then. Do you know so what with I mean? my headshot, that's exactly, mm. um, that's a good example. So with my actor headshot, I like to use natural light mm. whenever possible. Um, and I have certain locations that I use, like, you know, uh, that I you know I know that where the sun is at do you know, certain times of the day, but sometimes <laughs> you know things change and um, conditions change, mm. and you have to yeah that that's probably the most challenging thing yeah. is when there's you know the light isn't doing exactly what you yeah. want it to. Yeah, but other than that, I can honestly say I the stuff I shoot now is stuff that I really enjoy. Yeah, 
I rarely dr- have that dread anymore of like, oh gosh, I have to do that mm. tomorrow or, you know, you obviously still get that with tax bills and stuff, but <laughs> I don't have that with work, I have yeah. to say, and I don't have that Monday morning thing. Same sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. How much do you plan for your shoots or does it again depend on what the shoot is? Because I suppose when you've got to consider things like the sun how much can you plan that kind of thing but then when you've got stuff for like your clients which might be in their shop or in their home you've mm-hmm. got a different sort of element there um so actor headshots are pretty um standard mm-hmm. i shoot them i have sort of five or six locations my go-to locations and um that's where depending on the time of day depending on the light that's where i'll take my actors not a lot of planning there unless yeah. sometimes every sort of six to 12 months I might decide okay I want to change locations or whatever and I'll go and you know find some new ones but other than that you know the actor head just not a lot of planning mm. I photograph whoever turns up yeah <laughs> um it you know that's mostly down to the actor yeah. a lot of the planning is down to the actor brand shoots um I like to learn about the the brand and the product mm. and it's more than just turning up and, and photographing what they want photographed. I like to find out who their target audience are, what kind of um, vibe we're going to do. So, for instance, um, I photographed this really cool um, company the other day out in Wiltshire, and they make all sorts of amazing uh, organic drinks for you know with health benefits, and they create a lot of their own stuff on this amazing farm. And they wanted their products photographed for their website. But we needed to do a bit of brand research before. Mm. I wanted to know who their audience were, where do they live, how old are they, and what kind of houses they live in, because it's all kind of important. And then we'd and then we'd source that kind of location. Mm. So is it going to be a modern house we're going to use for the lifestyle shoot, or is it going to be a uh, an old house or a farmhouse kind of vibe? So I quite like, I, I enjoy that, and that takes a lot of um, planning, getting into the getting into the core of a company, mm-hmm. finding out um, what they're about. Because the photos need to attract the right kind of person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love putting mood boards together. I'm a bit oh, of a... Oh, I love a good mood board. I love a mood board. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I say, you, you're, you're, you, ha- you do have a very clear style in all of your stuff do you think yeah I know definitely you can always I always I'm like oh yeah that's a caption for the oh, do you know what I mean that sort nice. of thing yeah. um, it's even going across from your headshots to your weddings to your mm-hmm. sort of style shoots and stuff like that good I don't know whether it's colour like you said or there's like a certain colour palette yeah or something something about it I don't know um, yeah I, I think it's probably <laughs> like um slightly muted mm-hmm. tones maybe um yeah and mm-hmm. i try to apply that across a yeah. lot of what i do is it nice going back because i know you do some shoots in cardiff yes about once-ish a month is it nice going back and shooting yeah. there and you know because i think that there lies the difference between being homesick or not because mm-hmm. i get my fix <laughs> i'm back every it's probably more like two months now because i i struggle to to do it more often but I go back and I, I basically wait for a certain amount of people to, to book in and then I'll try and squeeze them all in together the same and go back yeah, for yeah, yeah. a week normally um, or sort of five days. 
yeah, but I get my fix. I'm wait. <laughs> by, the, and by the time, every time it comes around, I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to get back to Cardiff. <laughs> but equally, I'm looking forward to, to coming back to London yeah. as well. I get a bit itchy if I've been mm. out of here for a while. It's yeah. so weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, get my fix of speaking Welsh and, yeah. you know, just being at home around mm. your people, seeing your mates. Because mm. you have a lot of Welsh friends in London or is it an um, eclectic mix? It is a mix, but I do have... Um, yeah, I have a handful. There's mm. quite a lot of Welsh actors living locally, actually. Mm. And we tend to meet up now and again. And, yeah, two of my best mates are Welsh up here mm. as well. So oh, I get nice. my... But I don't speak Welsh. I only speak Welsh regularly on the phone. Ah, really? So with my mate up here who speaks Welsh, we speak half and half. It's like mm. Welsh. But I only speak it on the phone to, to yeah. family and friends. So that's strange. Yeah. Not just because obviously when I lived in Cardiff, I spoke mm. it every day. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's just a shame. It? But it is. I odd. think it depends how you meet the people, isn't it? You know, I've got friends like that who speak Welsh, but I don't speak Welsh. Then because it. I met them in uni, like it's really weird. It is. It's whatever you started off doing. Yeah, it is really strange to switch. Yeah, um, it's like that in my. Fr- um, I'm still really good mates. Our school gang, um, there's five of us. Mm. But even within that gang, we mainly speak Welsh mm. to each other. But there's one or two of us who speak English a little mm. bit of the time to each other, but yeah. not to the other person. It's really odd. Yeah, and then in that weird three-way conversation, yes. where he's talking in Welsh, <laughs> you're answering in English, and then he's speaking Welsh to the other one, and it's like, oh. Yeah, it's bizarre, <laughs> isn't it? It's kind of nice that we can do that, I think. Yeah, I think it's lush. Like, that's sort of how the Welsh language needs to be used. It needs to be just yes. used as much as possible. Absolutely, in whatever capacity. capacity. Yeah, because... I agree. It know, doesn't need to be perfect, and it doesn't oh, need to be... I know my tree glad I from, you know. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know what? It's, when you're not speaking it every day, you do for, mm. for, forget your tree glads. Definitely. Um, and I think that's definitely important. And mm. people are scared of speaking it, aren't they, sometimes, mm. because they're worried that they're not getting it right, yeah. or... It's just more important mm. to just keep keep talking. Keep using it. Keep using mm. it. Um, I was uh, speaking to another Welshie friend of mine, mm. Shan, one of my schoolgirls. She lives just outside London. And she was telling me there's a new Welsh school coming to... Because there is one already, I oh, is think. There? Yeah. It used to be up sort of Wembley way. Mm. I'm not sure where it is now. Um, but it's a girl who's in school with me. She's a lawyer up here. Oh. Yeah, I need to find out. But apparently well, it's I was like a nursery. Ask. Yeah, because you're expecting. Yes, that's going to be quite interesting. You know, I know. I it's, it's a very early on question now, seeing as you're only yeah. <laughs> just expecting, and you know, your baby won't go to school for at least four years. <laughs> but you know, living in London, and because your parents speak Welsh, and I know it your... is a big deal, and it yeah. is a big consideration. If I didn't live in London, if we lived anywhere else in England, I think we I. I'd want to go home. Mm. It's difficult, isn't it? I think... I did meet somebody the other day, though. He lived in Bristol from about... Well, from when he was born till about he was 10. His mum was Welsh, his dad isn't. And he learnt Welsh in Bristol, living in Bristol with his mum. Because she spoke Welsh to him and he spoke English. And so when they moved back to Wales, he went straight to Welsh school and carried on. So I just like... But it is interesting, especially for, like... There's only one person. I mean, that goes to show... I was about to say, is it doable? Mm. Is it doable if it's just one person? Uh, because the, the reality is, my child will probably end up in an English 
nursery or school or whatever most of the time even mm-hmm. if we do tap into it I'd love to be able to take him or her to a Welsh nursery but it's not going to be every day it's not practical no. the, yeah. the school is going to be in central London you know oh you're, not, gosh, yeah. you're not going to commute an hour or whatever a day but that just goes to show that's amazing if, yeah if if it is doable mm. and obviously now you've got Esperorek I can you know yeah, can do all that here that. I don't know. I'd like to think. I can't imagine having a child that doesn't speak Welsh. But yeah. the, what is the, rea- the reality of that the might reality. be different? I don't yeah. know. Because um, you only speak Welsh to parents. Absolutely. Is it a, yeah. Like yeah. That's, yeah. That is the language. That is the language. Yeah. Like speaking English to them feels like feels like we're speaking Japanese. <laughs> you know what it's. But I'd like to think that I pass on as much Welsh as possible mm. to the little one. Yeah. Mm. Did you? get married in a Welsh church in London though because that's what I was going to ask like about so I suppose the Welsh community in London yes and I remember you telling me about this last time you were here oh I was here yeah I'm trying to think when did I last see January this year so we got married last February Mm. 2018 wow is that it feels like it was no, that. Anyway, not, that I, not that I was there, but I just like <laughs> the whole thing is like yeah. ages ago. I know it's flown. Mm. Twenty eighteen. So we got married in um, Capel Cymraeg, Clinden, yeah. East Castle Street. So there's still a few um, Welsh chapels in London. East Castle Street. You've got Dewin, mm. um, Borough, I think. And we got married at East Castle Street. Uh, Rob Nichols is the minister there. And he married us, and he was my Welsh. He was my music teacher in school. That's what it was. I yes. can remember because there was somebody you knew from home who was yes. in the church. So it was just because that was a big decision, mm. whether to get married in London or Wales, and this felt like a nice. Yeah, it brought the two yeah. ideas together. So mm. it was in a capel. You know, I've grown up going to capel and whatever. So it it was in a capel. It was mm. um, we did it. Rob did it really nicely mm. and seamlessly, you know, a bit of Welsh, a bit of English. Um, but it had that sort of nouse sort of cap bell. Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, that was last year. Mm. But there's a whole, the whole London Welsh thing uh, is, is quite strong still, mm. you know. And, um, and there's a new generation of London Welsh mm. um, happening here now. There's quite a lot of uh, 20, 30 year olds mm. going to the capital. There's some choirs going on. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a mm. bit of a shift in all of that, which mm. is really nice. Um, but all these, I don't know if you know all the history, but all these chapels popped up back in the day when a lot of the farmers came to London mm. um, before the war and after the war. Um, and they were all full, you know, wow. hundreds of people, hundreds of Welshies. Well, yeah, was you know, just being displaced, you know, at the time and sort yeah. of... Uh, you know, here there and everywhere, nurses coming from Wales and working in cities. Yes, and all nurses, that. farmers, mm. loads of farmers came up. Mm. Um, a lot of my dad's uncles and aunts came mm. and went to the chapel. They were members at the chapel where we got married. So it all felt really mm. um, meaningful yeah. that we got married there. Mm. But you feel fully like acclimatised I suppose to London now because obviously you've been here so long oh yeah you know do you ever imagine living anywhere else no I, I was this this is the I do love place. it mm. I do love it I have to say mm. and I think um, you know when you sort of you grow up and you grow older um, you uh, London sort of grows with you I mm. that sounds really naff but I yeah. always 
I always think that you I'm always falling in love with London all over again mm. there's always new things and you, when you're in different stages of your life you're seeing different sides of London obviously it's got its dark sides and its bad sides but it's a pretty cool mm. place and I feel it does really excite me mm. it still excites me and it's just made up of I'm living in Crystal Palace Crystal Palace has a really strong community um, and you've got lots of little villages here you know London's just made up of loads mm. of tiny little villages and it's actually the community thing the community spirit that that's here is what I love mm. um, and then you've obviously got the, oh, everything that London has to offer mm. it's all on tap I love it <laughs> I do love it mm. but if I didn't live in London I'd, I'd be back in Wales for sure yeah yeah there's no other, it was three A or B. Oh, yeah, yeah. there's no, um, <laughs> yeah, there's mm. no in between, really. Yeah. And, obviously, we mentioned at the beginning that you began acting at a really young age. Um, and, obviously, as you go on, you're still acting now. How would you define your, what, what would you say your job is? Uh, are you an actor and a photographer? Are you a photographer and an actor? Because I think putting them in an order does make a difference, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's really sort of... strange. And I think, oh, it's weird because, you know, the photography was a hobby initially mm. and then it was a sideline to the acting and it was something that I could do in between acting jobs. And then, you know, it's that classic saying of, you know, if you have something to fall back on, that's when you kind of fall. Mm. And, and that's what I've ended up doing. So photography is definitely what I do day to day you know t- 10 years ago I was turning down photography jobs because I had acting jobs and now I'm turning down auditions because I can't I'm committed with my photography so it's it's hard but yeah but when I meet somebody now who doesn't know me they ask what I do I say photographer ah that is your go-to. yeah I know it's really yeah. odd yeah and um, that I enjoy it that's yeah. that's the thing is it's just so important isn't it I think mm. as creatives as well that we because you can get bogged down doing stuff. Your second job or in-between job some, sometimes can be really tough mm. and not enjoyable. And I'm just you know, really thankful that I found something that I actually am passionate about and that it isn't just like a pay-the-bills job. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you, nev- you never know what's around mm. the corner. And I'm really fortunate, like you say, with the flexibility of what I do. I work for myself. My cl- most of my clients are self-employed creative people mm. who understand when I say I actually have to go back to Wales to film this or I have mm. to go back, you know, unless it's a wedding, obviously. Yeah. Um, can't change, <laughs> can't change that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really fortunate yeah. that should I need to, I can just make it work. Mm. Yeah. And what's the best thing you've done in the last sort of five years what do you know what I worked on this it was a passion project really I um, photographed I started to photograph Welsh actors preparing for a role ah. or getting or in, uh, at their dressing rooms mm. getting literally getting ready to go on stage um, and I did that for a little while uh, and it's something that I'm hoping to pick up again but that was that was pretty cool I enjoy the photos actually um more than the doing it because it's quite interesting being in the dressing room watching somebody prepare to go on stage so I photographed like people like Owen Teal at the mm. Globe before he was going on stage and he took me around the Globe and I photographed him mm. um and Richard Price that mm. was at the Globe I think he was doing the Merchant of Venice 
Oh, loads of people. Stefan Rodri at the National. Um, Gareth Bale playing Gravel. Him, photographed him behind the scenes yeah. at Porth Cowell. I love doing that. And that's something I probably need to pick up on. Mm. Um, that sounds really interesting. It was really interesting. I got to... I got to to some really cool places and photographed some lovely people. And what would be the aim with those photos then? Have you ever had a sort of gallery exhibition? No, and do you know what? Would it be that's that exactly, nothing that you... That's what my intention was. I was going to mm. have them shown. Um, and, you know, I probably will one day. Mm. I'll probably do it. I've probably got, you know, the first series or the first collection. Mm-hmm. And I now need to go on to the second yeah. collection. Because it was a passion project. It was something I was fitting in mm. in between. But, you know, a lot of the stuff I do, um, a lot of the work that I enjoy um, happen to be passion projects. Yeah. I enjoy all of, all of the stuff I do. But, um, you know, they're really... The stuff that you know really sort of excites me. I um I've done some charity work, so I worked out in Istanbul with a social enterprise oh, okay. called uh, Small Project Istanbul, um, and with the whole refugee movement out there, there's I think there's about three million refugees in Istanbul mm. in uh, Turkey, um, and Small Project Istanbul is a, an enterprise empowering Syrian women. Uh, to, to work and to get back into society and uh, so I went out there and photographed a lot of their products so the women out there are, they have workshops where they make you know, bags and earrings and scarves and all sorts mm. um, and they needed some new content for their website and for their social media and to help promote them and push them into the you know more sort of global market if you like so I went out there for a week and that was fab. I worked with them. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mr. Bull's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working with people like that. I work with a charity called Love Welcomes. They do a similar thing with the refugee camps in Greece. Um, so I'm due to go out there uh, to photograph the refugees in the camps. But obviously we have no idea like what happens in these camps. Mm-hmm. They've set up entire villages there. There's cafes. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know a lot of them have been so proactive they're making things to sell and then love welcomes um tries to help them get this stuff out to the mm. um broader market to sell so that they can be you know to empower them to be self-sufficient mm. and so forth mm. i love working on stuff like that yeah. so i work on a lot of you know really fun jobs in london but a lot of it isn't necessarily what you want to meaningful yeah, or yeah. you know I shoot a lot of you know events and some high-end mm-hmm. stuff and I think it's just and I and I love it and mm-hmm. I get to see amazing venues and locations and you know work with people but oh it's nice to have a bit of balance and a mm-hmm. bit of reality check as well with it all job because I get to work with some really interesting people and it allows me to have really good sort of flexibility work-life balance. Amazing. Uh, The next one is in five years time. Oh yeah in five years I just hope that I'm still happy and healthy. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> the last one is, I'm happiest when. 
I'm happiest when oh, I'm out walking the dog with my husband and the dog getting a coffee. <laughs> nice. Simple. <laughs> the dog, definitely. She's got to be in there. Like She's the bad. dog. The dog is more Oh, yeah. Husband. She just keeps... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dog comes first. No. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. The dog just chills me. Mm. A massive thank you to Katrin for sitting down and having a chat with me. It was brilliant. I really enjoyed and I hope you all enjoyed as well. If you want to check out her work, she's on Facebook under Katrin Arwell Photography, Photographiaeth. And she's also on Instagram under cat underscore Arwell underscore photographer. I have to say a massive thank you as well to the brilliant Joshua David Bartholomew who wrote our theme music and also some additional music for this series. If you enjoyed today, remember to like, rate and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a comment. Always lovely to hear some feedback. I'll be back next week with another brilliant guest. We'll be announcing who that is in a few days time on our Instagram, Twitter and Facebook page. So go check them out. But until then, have a brilliant week. Bye.